like the number one rule is, oh, I said to my dad, don't move to a place that's got a traffic light. Then you can't go wrong. No traffic lights. No traffic lights out here. <laughs> Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness, but what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who've moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beth Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. (laughs) For people living in the city, the idea of having a backyard so big it can fit an entire football field would be but a dream. For David and Christy Webb, it's their reality. David, a small town boy from Urana, first crossed paths with Christy when he headed over to Canada for uni. The daughter of an army officer, Christy was used to moving all over the place and had lived in many different places across the United States. But when she started dating David and decided to give it a shot in Australia, the seasoned mover still found the upheaval a shock to the system. Once they'd found their feet in Sydney, the couple decided to once again pack up their lives and trade in their city lifestyle to split their time between Lockhart and Hay. While they were able to scale back the hectic traffic and long commute to work, they didn't have to pair back their professional careers, with both landing ambitious gigs in their new town. Christy moved up the ladder, landing multiple roles within the education sector, and David went from civil engineer to general manager of the Shire Council. United by their love of sport, David and Christy were quick to throw themselves into the highly active sports community, and weekends were crammed full of footy and netball games and sideline support. And if you don't reckon that a move to the bush is worth it for the camaraderie, events and activities alone, I'll let Christy convince you that nothing tastes as good as a home-cooked lasagna served from a country canteen after a big day of sport. (laughs) Dave and Christy, you moved where? I moved from Urana to Sydney to Canada, back to Sydney to the South Coast to Lockhart and then now in Hay. And for me, I moved from America to Canada, back to America, to Sydney, to the coast, to Lockhart, and now to Hay. Wow, that is quite a journey. Very complex, all over the shop kind of moves for the two of you. Can I get the timeline broken down? Well, I grew up in a little place called Urana, which is about 100 kilometres from Wagga, southwest of Wagga. Uh, that was on a sheep and wheat farm, and then I went away to boarding school and lived in Sydney while I was at university, and then one year I studied in Canada. This is where I met Christy at University of Waterloo and then came back, and Christy came to Australia. Well, mine's a little bit um, more tic-tac-y than David's. I was actually born just outside of Washington, D.C., on an army base, um, Fort George Me. So this dates me a little bit. I'll give my way my age back when Vietnam was on. My dad was still in the army then. And when the war finished, he finished up. And then for his um, first career, we moved a lot. So we tic-tacked around from really big cities like Washington, D.C. Then we went to Richmond, which is in Virginia. That was probably my second accent. Then I went back to Maryland, Chicago. Then we went up to Canada, 
I met David at university. He went back to Australia. Then I went back to Chicago, then to Vegas. What a story. And then I moved out here. Oh my gosh. Obviously you met overseas and then you continued your romance via letters, which is very foreign to people in this day and age of, you know, everything happening in the moment and on mobile phones and stuff. Like you actually use snail mail as your form of keeping in contact and developing the relationship to the point at which you fell in love and then that eventuated to you coming out. So talk me through communicating like that oh well the two we did that for two years before christy moved to australia so that was yeah so it was actually cheaper to do it by mail because <laughs> telephone calls were like three dollars a minute or something we both crazy. had to work extra shifts on a weekend to make one phone call to each other once a month yeah and i used to get you know i was in my younger 20s i used to get very emotional if i missed it yeah and i i tried to call him for the first time and the and when it rang, I thought it was the busy signal because the rings are different. So I kept hanging up. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was obviously on landline. So you had to wait for someone who was at home. You had to sort of organise the time that you were going to call, allow for the time difference. So it was interesting. Uh, but the mail, the, yeah, so we used to send each other packages and things like that in the mail all the time. So it was a different way of communicating, as you mentioned. But uh, this is what it was back then. So we just, it's, you didn't know anything different. So that's just what you did. Yeah, and I still have those letters too in 94. Wow. And it's great having the two of you on because it's really interesting to hear the perspective of both people in the couple because often when we're talking to people, one person decides to move from the city to the country and that has implications on the other person who has to move as well. And in Christy, in your case, you've had to move and kind of adjust from like a country to another country, from Canada to Australia, and then the US as well to Australia, and then from Sydney to a really, really rural town. So what was that like for you? I think it was just a huge adventure at the time. And, um, you know, for all my friends who knew me, I think once David and I had met, I was smitten. That was it. And the fact that my family just love him and loved him back then, you know, and we said we were going to try and give it a go, you know, they were fully behind us and his family were absolutely and are absolutely wonderful and backed us. Like we were given a very, um, a very, very welcome start. So that made a big difference. Christy's the favourite, so I was never in doubt. First couple of times I came to Australia to visit, you know, Eyes, eyes are wide. It was exciting. The other side of the road freaked me out. Just saying, there used to be a really big roundabout at Mascot. And when we started to go around it, the first 20 minutes I was on land, I was absolutely freaked out when he went around the roundabout. Anyway, survived that, learned how to drive on the other side of the road. And I do stay there most of the time, which is wonderful. The thing that probably was so different, I think, was the, the lifestyle, like, it, like even going from city to city, I just love love the lifestyle. Um, in terms of you know people stopped and chatted and and, and whatnot. Um, in terms of country to country, I just want to know why everything here wants to sting you and bite you, and um, <laughs> potentially is poisonous. That really freaked me out at first. I know, I know. It still freaks me out. I'm much better with it now. I can actually gently relocate things now. But David had taken me out to the family farm a couple of times and, oh, my goodness, did I have some experiences there. And then 
you arrived in Lockhart for the very first time and everyone knew who you were. So you were Jeff Webb's son's American girlfriend. That was what her title was. That was my identity. (laughs) And so you arrive on Australian soil and like we've just said, you then decided to go out to the sticks for a job. How was that adjustment for you both? Because obviously, Dave, you're going back. You'd been away in the city for a bit, and Christy, it was your first time. Yeah, for me, it was it was 20 years I'd been away, so it was still an adjustment to go back because I didn't know a lot of the people there. Like there were different circles, so there were different people. So what? So you didn't really have that friendship group, and the, the country it's, it's changed. So it was it's moved on a bit. It's so a little town like Lockhart. It's 800 people. Things aren't open on the weekend. They still shut their shops at lunchtime. Can't get a coffee. Don't worry about don't worry about trying to get a brunch on a Sunday. Forget that. You can do that now, but when we first moved back, that wasn't available. So, the, so even for me, it was a readjustment to go back again to to what I knew as as a kid growing up. But it was it was the the world was still a different place at that point in time. And Christy, you said obviously the um, things that initially confronted you were all the things that bite and the potential of a poisonous beast approaching you at every step of the way when you're out outside the city centres or even in the city in Australia. But what were some of the things, you know, the more kind of day-to-day things that you uh, were confronted with or that you had to kind of get your head around once you landed in the regions? Look, it it was such an opportunity and such a homecoming for David and and it was an opportune time for us too with our with our son because it was sort of his he was just starting high school and if we were going to move that was going to be the time to do it and he always wanted to go to the same school that that his dad did and he was lucky he got in so that was quite a big thing as well um so you know i guess adjusting to that because it was boarding school only child that yeah, was yeah big... mum had an adjustment there with her baby going away each week. So, yes, I was, that... I was fine with it because I knew what to expect, but mum got yeah, out I bet. It was different. And, and I mean, um, the boarding schools that I know from North America are nothing, they're very different to out here, as in they're um, like, you know, the beautiful scenery and things that, that students can have in regional and, and remote, you know, boarding schools are so different. It's beautiful. Um, that was a big adjustment. The great adjustment was the absolute amazing local footy and netball clubs, which were, as if you haven't heard, centre of our life. And that was just fantastic. Really welcoming, you know, big part. You contribute there. You can meet a lot of people. That was huge. It was really interesting to see just how many people would come in on the weekend for, for footy and netty. So that was great. Yeah, grocery shopping had to be organised because things weren't open very late, although we were pretty lucky with, with the facilities that we had. We could get whatever you needed, even if we were a little bit later at night. That was really good. Going into town was going into the local big regional place, which was different. So, But, yeah, no, I think that. And it's a common question, where do I fit in in the, in the scheme of things? So Jeff Webb's son's American girlfriend, now wife. <laughs> no one no one bats an eyelid out here to travel like at Lockhart if you said you gotta travel somewhere it's always about an hour. No one cares about driving an hour to go somewhere. So now we're living in Hay, so we moved to Hay in two nineteen again from my work. And uh so I'll just make Christy pack up and move into about our thirteenth house together for us two. 
so when we got to here, so now it's about two hours anywhere to go shopping. So we yeah. want to go to Griffith, which is our closest major centre. That's about two hours away. So it's a different thing. So you sort of learn to make do with what you got. You don't go shop down to shops every day or do what you got to do. There's pretty pretty good shopping in Hay. There's yeah. no problem. And we can get brunch any day of the week, which is nice. But there's, just to go to a major shop, it's quite a it's quite a trek to go to anywhere. So that's something that people in the city probably don't get used to. Or getting to medical services or to a dentist. We have to travel an hour and a half to go to a dentist. Uh, any, anything that's major surgery is three hours away, three and a half hours away, anything like that. So... It's quite different from a from the services point of view that you got to, that you people get used you have to get used to. Out here, people don't again. This doesn't phase them. They're used to that. So, and I'm interested as well that your work, Dave, as a civil engineer, and you both got such incredible professional careers that your work has actually taken you from the regions to the regions. I think sometimes people don't re- realise the high level of opportunity and the professional career that you can enjoy in the regions in this day and age. Talk me through your career trajectory and your ambition that you've managed to re- retain now that you're out in the sticks. I've, I've got a reasonably unusual career trajectory. Uh, so I did civil engineering at university, as you just mentioned, and then I worked on big construction sites in the city, massive construction sites, for a few years, and then got moved to Setanara. I worked on um, the airfield base down, the Navy base down there, worked at Sydney Airport for a few years, in uh, building runways, taxiways, and then moved into, did private, so I was on private enterprise, working for companies, worked for uh, myself and a, a couple of guys for a while. And then eventually moved into local government, which was something I sort of wanted to do when I was a kid to, to work in local government as an engineer. So I eventually made my way into that and worked in, in Shoalhaven Council for a while, then to Lockhart, and now I'm over to, at Hay as a general manager, which is, again, unusual. Most general managers are not from a technical uh, engineering background. Most of them come through the finance side, so it's a bit of an unusual place for me to be in. Uh, so, but it's really good here, and the small council, rural councils, quite a hands-on role. You get to be in the trench with the guys as well as dealing with the elected leaders, and that's not untypical for any of the small councils. So, in local government in rural New South Wales alone, they did a survey early this year, and there's 2,000 vacancies across all the councils in rural New South Wales. So, there's plenty of opportunity for people in the regions who are looking for a job. And it does could be from a wide range of different careers and backgrounds that you're looking for. So so it is, it is like you said, you can hop from one council to another or organisation to progress your career however you like. It's the, you know, this is so many opportunities. Yeah, I think you're both a really good example of that because you've really put your roots down where you are. You know, it's not been an experience of going back, you know, just for a lifestyle change when you've had kids and then going back to the city. You've actually stayed back and, in fact, you still have a property in Hay and a property in Lockhart. So instead of buying something in the city, as some people do, you've, you've continued to remain with all your bases in the bush. And is that because you just really love the regional experience? Can't do the traffic. <laughs> we get cranky if we have to wait for one car to turn outside of our intersection. Like, <laughs> we don't have any traffic lights. We don't, seriously, you don't understand. I'm three minutes from work. So you cannot, we've been, when last time we drove in Sydney, you just went, wow, I can't believe we even did this. It's just, you get so taken for granted how easy it is to move around out here. 
in a car, that is. There's no public transport at all. We do have a taxi service in Hayward. Yeah, we have taxi service yeah. and, and buses that go. Well, there's buses you can go, but that's the train line bus, so that's yeah. only a couple of times a week. But the <laughs> just the traffic alone, just, it's just amazing not have to – it's just so easy to get around anywhere, so – like the number one rule is, I always said to my dad, don't move to a place that's got a traffic light. Then you can't go wrong. No traffic lights. <laughs> no traffic lights out here. That's a, that's a, that's fantastic. That's almost like an incentive in itself, isn't it? Because, yeah, traffic can drive you really up the wall and it's such an amazing experience not to have traffic. But when you do have to drive, which, like you mentioned before, is it's regular that you have to drive long distances, but it's a beautiful drive. You know, you've got scenery oh, and amazing. you can sort of sit back and listen to a great podcast <laughs> or some good music. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm also interested um, in the comment that you made, Christy, about the sport because, you know, there's no shortage of sport in the bush, is there? And seeing you there, Dave, no. in the Canterbury Bulldogs beanie, um, we know that you are both heavily involved in sport in the community. Can you tell me about that? Having both husband and son play AFL, it's been many, 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 many years. I think Seb picked up a football as soon as he could hold one, like his father, any kind. Um, and it's been it's been wonderful to watch them both grow and play and, and watch them actually play together. That is a big deal out in the country. If, if a parent can play with a child, it's celebrated by everyone. doesn't matter if you win or lose, but if that can happen, it's amazing. But even things just like, you know, being a part of the canteen roster, you will never find better food than at a local footy, netty, rugby union, whatever. The canteen is amazing. Everybody just chips in and you just get it done. And the amount of people that come, it's just lovely. Um, and being involved, you, you do get different connections. Like we get different connections and we both do at work. And even last year, like, you know, Webby was still playing and um, and umpiring, and I was helping one of the, one of our our local coaches with with the little ones playing netball. And like it was just it was lovely to watch them grow and watch the coaches grow and change. And and it's the same in footy as well. Like we watch a lot of our younger players, and they take on leadership roles. And it's just you feel a lot more involved in that. Like even myself, like growing up playing a lot of sport in big cities, you were involved, but as a player, you kind of just came and played. Because for me, it was usually at a rink playing ice hockey or skating or something. But out here, it's a whole day event. It starts at whatever o'clock, together all day. And then if it's a home game, there's often a function at night. And it's a function for families. Whether you're a young mom or a grandma, everybody comes. Having that together time just to catch up, chat about whatever, it's so important. I love that aspect. It's a whole different side of sport that I didn't grow up with, but David did. Community sport's huge in the bush. It's the lifeblood of the bush and it's where everyone gets mixed together. Whether you're good at sport or not doesn't really matter. You just yeah. it's just the gathering and there's a there's a role for anyone, whether yeah. they can play sport or not play sport. So it's it's absolutely critical the lifeblood of any of the small communities. It's it's so inclusive mm. across everything. It's inclusive and it's just, you know, whether you write for the local newspaper or you click some photos or you, you cheer up and down the sides with your little pom-poms. It doesn't matter. It's just, yeah, my experience has been absolutely phenomenal in both Lockhart and Hay. It's been great. It's funny how you mentioned having the meal after the sport as well because I remember loving that as a kid, like your parents would play tennis or footy or whatever it was, and then I distinctly remember in the Coaching Up Tennis Club the guy that would open the, like, unlock the 
bar and the noise that it made when he pulled the like <laughs> you know the, um, the blind or whatever it's called you know the metal thing up and then everyone yeah. would congregate people would go and have a shower the kids would be running around and it was just awesome and we sort of have just moved as well regionally because that sort of experience as a kid when you can just run you know, go running with all the other kids and there's older kids sort of chaperoning and the parents are watching on and having a good conversation over, you know, a big lasagna that someone's bought, that sense of coming together and eating together and playing sport as a team. It's just like magical. It's something that really is like a huge draw card for regional living, isn't it? And clearly for you both, because you're still involved in sport, um, even though your son has left the town. And he's come back a couple of times to uh, to to have a have a little kick with his father over the years. So that's been super special too. And Grace, our producer, gave me a little bit of insight into the fact that you have, and I think this is brilliant. Your backyard is big enough that you actually have AFL goalposts set up in your backyard. We do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we can kick the footy around in the backyard and not kick it over the fence. So that's pretty good. It it has also been used for. Um, practicing your skills driving in the ute you know <laughs> weaving in and out making sure you do really good turns and and in the last couple in the last oh, couple year two years I've been able to get on, on a ride on which I love and um you know practice my little zigzags and so yes yes the the AFL posts are very popular I mean that really gives you a sense of the space of that you get in the country, doesn't it? The fact that you can basically mimic a football oval in your backyard is fantastic. And, Dave, because you work in an office, don't you? I think there's sometimes a bit of a misconception about um, if you're working in regional Australia, you're either on a farm or working remotely, but you actually go into an office, don't you? I still, Yes, we still still work in the office, so I'm not outside a lot unless I go outside on the site for whatever reason. So the the, heavy, the biggest lifting I've got to do in the office is my coffee cup. That's probably pretty much what I've got to do. But uh, so yeah, that's right. It's in the regional, it is office-based jobs as well as any as any job. Any job you got in the city, just about we have in in the bush. I'm interested in that because identity and like how you connect with work and how that affects your identity. These are all things that people obviously consider you know, before they move. And for you, Christy, we talked about your identity and how you were sort of labelled moving into this, you know, the regional setting. For yeah. you both, how do you feel now after being in the regions and, and choosing to stay in the regions? How do you feel that it um, contributes to your identity? And for you, Christy, is mm. where is home? Do you refer to home being, you know, back in the States or is home now the bush and how long did it take for you to feel like it was home? That is a really good question and I get asked that a lot. In terms, I'll answer that first, home because I move so much is always where my family is. So it's where David is, so that's home. And home in terms of family, so that's where mum and dad have retired to and my brother is now in Vegas. But, you know, home is, is where we're settled in, and I think that, you know, for right now, it's hay, and then when we get back to Lockhart. In terms of identity, it's really interesting how, how the world works. Like, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've been very, very um, lucky in, in doing the jobs that I do, and I've been able to change up and go on new adventures out in region and, and rural, rural Australia, and it's been wonderful. So 
you know, in terms of identity, not out in hay. I'm not I'm not Jeff Webb's son's American girlfriend now wife anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a bit of a mystery, I think, out here sometimes, but they they know me from the sport more than anything, which is lovely. Number one fan I am, dressed in all my hay hay lions colours. Um but it yeah, that, that's I think that's sort of my identity. Home home is where my family is. I love that. Um, for me, Beck, it's a bit different because in, well, probably in Lockhart, again, because of the family from there, so some, a lot of people knew of me before I got there and in my role as an engineer at council. So you do come a, you are known a little bit. But here in Hay, it's even more so as a general manager, you're quite visible to the public. You're in the paper probably every week. Yeah. So it's a different it's a different thing. You've got to be a bit more careful. So we're quite happy to be a recluse on the weekend if we can because we're we're out and about, we're talking to people every day, you, you you're you are on the phone, you're in the radio, get radio interviews, probably I get one probably one once or twice a week, you might have a Sydney Moore Herald ringing you to get a quote. The ABC rings regularly on something about a news story or in the papers. So it's quite nice to be able to just step back into the house or whatever you want to do. The sport's an outlet, which is great. But here, for me, definitely have an, definitely have an identity in town. Not always a good one. If you, everyone people thinks about local government, it's not always a nice thing what people say, but that's that goes with the territory. You knew that coming into the game, so not wasn't unknown. So it's quite different here. For Christy, probably a little bit different. I think when we first got here, we had a first 219 and we had a run-up to the Christmas time and they often have a lot of functions and I think I think we had about four or five functions or six functions over two week period that we had to get dressed up and go to at night time as the general manager and, and the wife and I think Christy's was going to be exhausted all this socialising. Oh my goodness. Uh, so it's, it's yeah so once you move into that profile role in a small community there is the expectation you will turn up to all the events. And they're great. And which is good. And they're great. But, yeah, you know, so you've got to learn how to make the small talk when you have to and then you've got to have, be able to talk business when you need to talk business. You deal with politicians quite regularly, yeah. have conversations with either state or federal members or go away to meet them at conferences. So it's a very different role here for me in Hay than it probably was in Lockhart in terms of that. But, again, that's just the that just comes with the nature of the role that I do at, the, at work here. So... But we do, from a dandy point of view, it's it's interesting how that changes into the role and, and the town that you go to. But also, it's great to hear just how dynamic it is and how close to that kind of a role that you would experience in the city. You know, because again, like I said previously, there is this idea that when you move out of the city, that you're confined to those roles of like a farmer, or well, often it's just people think that you just moved to become a farmer, but there's this whole suite of professional roles that you can um, enjoy and have the very same experience that you can get in the city, like multiple events and, you know, being in the council, you'd be across all of the community events that um, that happen. Tell me some of the ones that are unique to your community. Uh, and, you know, we've got lots, lots of events in Hay, and as you right, said, we're, we're involved in every event. That we do so. Hay has lots of events. They've coming up. They've got the the show. Most country towns have a show. We've got the the Mardi Gras, which is the Rainbow on the Plains Festival, which is huge. Attracts thousands of people to town from all over Australia. 
Sheep shows, sheep dog shows, dog, dog trials. We've got Easter. They have Illuminate, Hey Illuminate, where we put have a light show in town. Uh, we've got a tunes, tunes on the Green. So we have Casey Chambers perform here in March. Busby Maru before that. <laughs> where we have a big concert. So that's out at the at the golf course. We set up a, a big stage out there. It's right on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River. Beautiful mm, setting. Beautiful. And we have a big concert there that people come to. And we got five or 600 people for that, which doesn't sound like a lot from a city point of view. But, it was amazing. But it's pretty good for a town like Hay. And, you know, it's enough to self-generate for the for the following year to get an artist again for the following year. So all those things, that that's what brings the community together, all these different events. From my perspective, being the city girl coming into the country, I love the fact when theme dinners or awards come on, it's the whole range of people that come from the younger ones who are just up and coming in their careers to the grandmas and grandmas and pad aunties and uncles that are all there. I love that. And everybody sits down and has a chat. Any, any excuse to get dressed up, I think, for some of them. <laughs> and it's so good. It's so much fun. And it gets busy here. If you want to book something, you got to get in really early. It's so good because it's just that real vibrancy that you people often don't realise occur in the regions. And, you know, you were even mentioning how the show is still a big calendar mm-hmm. event. And it's something as well about having these events that you can expect to come back around, you know, so the anticipation grows. And then, like you said, it bubbles out into the city and actually brings tourists in because they want a piece of this um, magic that you're talking about where everyone's sort of together and laughing and um, enjoying some kind of cultural experience and it's it really makes memories doesn't it like lifelong memories from these events that you have like scheduled all across a calendar year right so just to put that in perspective tourism is our second biggest industry in hay behind agriculture so it's a it's really important to the town it sort of drought proofs the town so to speak when agriculture is down the tourism still still flourishes so it's very, very important to town. So the events, the facilities we have in town, the accommodation, all those things, places to eat are very, very important for the community. So so Hayes Hero event would be, well, attraction is the sunset. So we have a sunset viewing 15 kilometres to the north of town. Amazing. So when you're out here, as far as flat as far as you can see, literally, and then you can see a sunset on the horizon. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. You cannot believe how nice the sunset is out in the on the plains, and that's our major attraction. So we promote that heavily. We've just got this place, this little platform we built 15 kilometres out that people can pull off the highway on the side of the road. Literally, you can't see anything else because there's not even a tree in sight. And just those little things that you don't get to see in the city. Stars. Stars. Oh, my goodness. First time I went out to, to David's family farm, you know, I couldn't stop looking up. I'd never seen so many stars in my life because you could just see forever. Absolutely stunning, breathing that country air. It's just amazing. And little things that you might laugh, but having lived on the coast in Sydney, getting your washing dry might be a little bit tricky sometimes. You usually don't have a problem out here. The, the loads usually dry by the time we put the next load up. So and they say you take that for granted because you get lots of dry dry days, don't get a lot of rain. So the ability to get your washing dry. Washing dry. 
Yeah, you just look. You just got to be aware of your surroundings sometimes when you're putting up the laundry. Yeah, there might be some things on the ground that you don't want to see, but besides, <laughs> some visitors. Besides that, at least you can get your washing dry. Correct. It's so good because it is the little things, and I'm having that issue at the moment where it's been raining for seven days where we are in WA, and I'm pulling my hair out because there's just clothes hanging over every item of furniture that we've got in the house. So you've got little ones as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's a massive incentive but also you talk about um you know the sunset and the stars and it's those things of being back so close to nature that really give you a sense of perspective and also good for well-being isn't it for you both is being in the bush and when you've got such you know high-powered um professional careers is there something about being out there where you can retreat at the end of the day and you it it can sort of be around you all the time. Like, is that a benefit that you enjoy? For me, whether it's Lockhart or here, here it's beautiful. We've got the Murrumbidgee River and in Lockhart we can go out back paddock. But I just love taking the dog and just going out bush for a walk. Just the the smell of the gum, you know, the water, that just, just that, it's really hard to explain, but just that calm, that, that chance to take a breath. We were so lucky during COVID where, you know, so many people in big cities couldn't go out every, anywhere. I'd go out the back door with the dog kilometres out into the bush and just take it all in. It's oh, that, For me, I love that. Even like when, when we're back in, in, in Lockhart as well, just just the, the vastness and the openness and being able to be outside, I love it. It's so good. The other thing I'd like to know from you, and in particular, I guess, within your region, what are some of the you know idiosyncratic things about regional living that you noticed or that are unique for you guys? Like, you know, when you're driving, the wave, the finger wave? Oh, yeah, yeah. So everyone waves. <laughs> got it now. <laughs> yeah, Chrissy's got that down pat now. And you usually do know who's coming. Well, not so much here in Haven. Lockhart, you always knew who was, who was in the other car. You always knew who was everyone's car. But I think one thing here is the travel no one you've got to travel to go to a meeting one of the blessings of COVID I suppose if you could say that was the fact that we all learn how to do Zoom and Teams meetings so now we've saved a lot of time traveling so we no one would have batted an eyelid at traveling two hours each way for a two-hour meeting so now thankfully we've been able to Teams in a little bit so you could use your time your time a bit more wisely, but in the, in the flip side of that is you haven't had the time to travel in the car where you just by yourself where you can just, again, decompress, think of things and having that your own time, so you, you miss out on that. It's the tyranny of distance that that's probably unique, unique out here and just makes things a lot, lot different and I'm not saying that's bad at all. You sort of get used to it and you just deal with it and it's, you just plan for it. It's not a problem. One of the little idiosyncrasies are, are something that I really love about small towns is that, yep, we know who each other are and what's going on. But if someone hasn't come to pick up their newspaper by seven o'clock in the morning or, you know, such and such usually does their town shopping on whatever day, people look out and they check and they look after each other. You know, when things are sad or a tragedy happens, people put in. Not that it doesn't happen in the city. I just think sometimes what I've experienced, particularly as an outsider coming in, is that dig in and pitch in, whether it's drought or flood or someone's passed or something's happened. I just, I'm in awe of that. 
because sometimes everybody else is doing it really hard too. And just the fact that everybody just digs in and has a go and, and looks out for each other, that, that was new to me coming from such big, big cities. So, yeah, that's something that there, really Everyone looks out for everyone. And it's in, beautiful. In their own way, like we said. Yeah. Oh, Bill hasn't been up to pick his paper, then someone will make someone, a phone. Someone will go and check on him. Check on him. It's just amazing. It's that level of um, commitment and care I think that people, like as humans, that we all essentially really crave, especially in the post-COVID world, like we've talked about, um, the fact that you would drive, you know, two hours to get to a football game because you've made a commitment to the team or the fact that you, you know, you will look out for people when you're in an environment like a country town and it is intimate. I think it's especially important in this day and age where there are a lot of silos. People are quite separate. And I've talked about it before where when I was living in the city, you know, you can live right on top of someone but actually never meet them. You know, sharing a wall, sleeping next to them but know nothing about them because it's just yeah. so big and vast and people are on their own sort of, you know, journey and doing their own thing. Exactly. And then yeah. you go to the country and you've got that sense of um, that real sense of community which just is really I don't know, like it, it feels really good, doesn't it, to have someone, you know, you've, you've got what you talked about, Dave, where sometimes it's a bit claustrophobic when you're in a role like a, a counsellor and you're sort of accessible to people. But at the end of the day, it's that investment and care that really matters to you as a human, feeling like people are invested and supportive and may not really know you from a bar of soap but will still be around you and support you if something horrible happens or bring over a casserole or like you said with the newspaper it's a beautiful example of that Christy with on this topic when you obviously had your son your family would have been back home in the states how did you sort of keep your head above water without having family around you did you get some support from the community what was that experience like for you so we were still in Campbelltown when 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 we first when Seb first was born and that was um that was a challenge yes yes um because neither of us had family around no no so that was really hard so that was a, a an adventure for both of us and David doing what he had to do at that time in his career that was um a big challenge I felt and I still feel really lucky because when we do have family visit like when when David's parents came or mine came um. We got a lot of help. I think when we moved down the coast, we were closer to David's family, which was lovely, um, and and that helped. I think by the time we went back to to lock, like back to to the country, um, it was great to have different connections, like for 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 each other and for our son as well. So the friends that he's made along the way, you know, his close buddies, even though he's in Adelaide, you know, doing his thing. He still catches up and they'll come over and they'll visit if I'm in town. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. That's been lovely. And I think that's probably something I didn't realize that, like, you might have, but I didn't realize, like, we would get that experience. It's been amazing. Yeah, the country kids are very polite. Oh, on for the chat. It's yeah, they're great. Just, for some reason, they're very good at talking to adults and they're very polite. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that's all of them, but it just, it's very noticeable. I think maybe it does come from that sport and that 
situation of the community events and being immersed in your community so much and getting good at talking to all different ages, like you said, Christy, because you get the young through to the old, coming to all these events, socialising, really having fun. But that's a really great skill, I suppose, to learn because you are in those environments all the time. You do learn to communicate with a vast range of different people from different backgrounds, ages, everything like that, like you say. Let's bust a myth here. Can you get a good coffee in hay? Oh, yes. Absolutely. You can get a wonderful coffee. Definitely. There's plenty of places in hay, no problem at all. And you can get brunch. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. (laughs) Love it. And just finally, we'd love you to give us, and I feel like, Dave, you'll be very, um, very practised at this, so there's a lot of pressure on you, Um, but we'd love you to give us your pitch to move regionally. Well, we need to send you to our website where you can look at the videos we did on about. <laughs> no, that's a cop out. It has to be actually Dave and Christy together. You guys have to work as a no, team. The slogan is more time for life. Oh. So that is that is the pitch because you have more time to do other things here and accessibility for life, and that that is one hundred percent true. So mm-hmm. so you can work, you can work, even play in the in the bush easily and the ability to have the professional careers you talked about and whether that's now with remote access, which is great. So you can, if you if you work from home in the city, you can work from home in the bush and you can come out here, but then you also got time to be able to go and do these other things. So that's that, I would say, is 100% true. That's perfect because it sums up a lot of the topics that you've discussed through our chat today. It's a really lovely pitch, actually, more time for life. It's beautiful. And do you have anything to add to that, Christy? No, I think I think that's it. I think you know, just to you can enjoy being in a different way, and I and I love that. You know, sometimes you just you walk out and you're amongst it, and you go, yeah, it's pretty good life. It's a great example of having your cake and eating it too. You know, you're working in great jobs where you can be totally fulfilled and continue to go up the path you know, and hit those career milestones, but then also have those beautiful experiences with community and with nature, really find a sense of home. It's been so wonderful to chat to the two of you today. Just got some brilliant perspectives on the experience that you've had. Just because in the voice doesn't mean you miss out on anything at all. New Moved Wear is made on the land of the Binjara people with David and Christy joining us from the land of the Wiradjuri people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to Elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Rufray and hosted by me, Beck Bignall. The You Move Where podcast is brought to you by Move to More and the Regional Australia Institute. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. There's a certain point where I know I'm I'm basically home. The air changes, the smell changes, and you wind the window down and you just smell home. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government. And if you head to the website movetomore.com.au, you can find a wealth of information that will help you make the move. 
at movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination. And in the same place, find your dream home and job. 